Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about some of the iOS 16 features that have already launched. iOS 15.5 is also available. Apple Podcasts get some updates, and uh, my co-host and I are going to talk about has Apple lost its soul? This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, Truebill, Collide, and Vogue Duo. And joining me this week is my friend across the pond. Yeah, I said co-host before because I didn't want to give it away, but it's my friend, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? <laughs> I, well, I was enjoying co-host. I thought, oh, that's very nice, very flattering. But um, yeah, I'd like to more notice on is Apple losing its soul kind of thing. There's a book, a little book by Trip Mickle that's come out called After Steve, How Apple Became a Trillion Dollar Company and Lost Its Soul. That, that is the subtitle of that book. So don't worry, you, don't, you won't have to have read the book. I've not actually read it myself, but I've listened to a couple of interviews that he's done. And uh, I don't know, we could talk about some some things about that at the end of the show. I thought it'd be interesting. I might have some thoughts about the union issues going on at the moment. Just one or two. So, okay, yes, okay. Yes, well, okay. We'll bring all that together and we'll discuss it all. There's some five-star review shout-outs. Decel73 from Israel. Very cool international there. And also... I'm sure this guy knows William, Matt Reaney from Great Britain. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the legendary Matt Reaney. That's what oh, we call him. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah, obviously. Like, does he have his own Wikipedia page kind of legendary or is this? That's just well, a- as I understand it, uh, the Twitter handle legendary Matt Reaney was already taken for some oh, reason. Oh, I see. Yes, which yes, is, you know, cyber squatting, all of that nonsense. Poor guy. <laughs> cyber <Yeah>. squatting. <laughs> that's hilarious. William, we're trying a bunch of new stuff this week. If our listeners are listening to this episode right now and they did not have to do anything special to hear it, it will mean that a great Rube Goldberg machine of pulleys and wires and duct tape has functioned properly. And I'm saying all that because I've actually moved our podcast to a new hosting provider. And I've done this with other shows, but you know, this is probably the biggest show I've done it with. And so if you're hearing this, I want you to get on, get on the Twitter, get on your Twitter app, Yes, it's still there. So get on there, create an account if you don't have one, and tweet at me and let me know if you are hearing this episode uh, just like you normally do, and that will help me know that it all worked properly. Um, yes. But if they, if somebody can't hear... This reminds me of back in the day, you remember CompuServe? Oh, yeah. On work on print magazines, they would take out double-page spreads uh, saying, have a problem with your computer, can't get online, ask the people at CompuServe. And the only way... It's, how do, how do yes, you ask? So, but... <laughs> But, How do you ask okay. them? So no, no, well, if it didn't, if the episode didn't show up in their podcast player or something crazy happened, they they can still tweet at me. They'll, they'll know if they didn't see it. Yeah, it's Schrod- it's Schrodinger's podcast. Okay, is there a podcast in the box or is there not? Nobody knows. The box is closed. Okay. So anyway, let, let's get to some news, William, yeah. because WWDC is two and a half weeks away. It is right around the corner. And as Apple did last year for Global Accessibility Day, which is May 19th, they actually announced some iOS 16 features ahead of WWDC. I, I kind of like this idea because it gets to highlight these features that might not have gotten a bunch of stage time at WWDC, but they're very impressive. And if you've never used iOS or even macOS accessibility features, just know there's an incredible world of, of features down there. And some of the new features coming in iOS 16, which would be this fall, is door detection, where you'll be able to use your iPhone to tell if a door is open, closed, if it can be opened with a knob or a push, and it would use the LiDAR sensor on your iPhone to tell that about the door. It will also be a part of the magnifier tool in Control Center. It's very impressive. More Apple Watch controls via iPhone. So there's some accessibility features where you can control your Apple Watch from your phone. Things like, I think, voice dictation, voice control, And also, I don't know if you ever played around with this, William, but the Apple Watch actually has some incredible gesture controls, like clenching your fist or tapping your pointer and thumb multiple times to actually work the Apple Watch without physically touching it. Have you ever tried any of those features? No, because I knew they were coming, and then I forgot they were here. You mean I can waggle my finger at you or something, and things will happen? You can't. It's pretty amazing. I actually did this when I reviewed the Apple Watch Series 7, because I was doing a video of it, and I wanted to do a grocery store shot where I was in the aisle and showing my scrolling list of groceries in the AnyList app, but I was obviously holding my phone filming and I, I wanted to be able to scroll, so I wasn't sure what to do. And so I programmed a fist clench. I think I did a double fist clench to scroll down and then you can do a single fist clench and then pointer and thumb taps to scroll up to top or scroll to top, scroll up, scroll down, even go back home on the Apple Watch. You can actually do a bunch of commands 
with a single hand, like clenches and, and taps. It's pretty amazing. Goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. We've had listeners before saying that Apple's accessibility has problems, but you compare it to whatever other company's doing, and they are still amazing that they do all these things. And they don't stop. I mean, Apple continues to press forward, which is awesome, which is one of the other features that's coming is live captions. Yes. And so you'll be able to use your iPhone to get live captions, even on things like a FaceTime call, video conferencing, like a Zoom social media apps and streaming media content. If there's not captions already available, which a FaceTime call is not going to have captions, you'll actually be able to do live translated captions on there. I'm curious how well that works. I don't know if, how, what, is, what is your track record with like Siri dictation? How could a Siri dictation when you try to use it? Mm, mm, yeah. mm. <laughs> I, I said the word correct. Now, now, if you were Siri, William, pretend you're Siri for a moment. If I say the word correct, how would you dictate that in my text app? Oh, I can actually tell you that because that just happened to me. Is are you sure you want to call Melanie Barrett? That happened to me <laughs> the other day. That's that's why. I mean, that's even farther off than what I got. I got K O R R E K T. Isn't that a radio Correct. station in downtown Detroit? Uh, I don't know. Actually, sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent. Do you know the origin, the etymology of OK? Like just saying the letters OK as an affirmative. I've heard the legends. I don't know that there was a definitive proven answer. Do you know? Well, as with all things, we have the English to thank. You guys over there in Great Britain. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. And apparently, (laughs) back in the, I believe it was 17 or 1800s, young uh, Englishmen liked to misspell words as kind of like a fun game. And so when they would want to say affirmative, they would say all correct, like all correct, but they Ah. would spell it O-L-L for all and K, K-O-R-R-E-C-T for correct. All correct. And then that got shortened to OK. And that's where it came from. We're a literate bunch here, really. <laughs> uh, hang on. I, I said that too quickly. We're an illiterate bunch. Yeah, no, okay. no, um, you're very literate. You have William Shakespeare over there. I mean, you can't deny that. Yeah, he's not been around for a while, to be fair. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, uh, I actually got that from, I think, a Vox Media video about the history of All Correct. I'll try to find that for the show notes. But anyway, some more features coming in accessibility for iOS 16. Buddy Controller, where it will combine two game controllers into one so a friend or carer can help you play a video game. I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Siri Pause Time, where you can adjust how long Siri waits before you make a request. Voice Control Spelling Mode, where you can dictate letter by letter. Sound Recognition which is really cool. There's actually a sound recognition now. Like if you use the Shortcuts app on iPhone, if you do automation, you can actually choose fire alarm, dog barking, and it'll actually trigger automations depending on those sound. But this in iOS 16, you'll be able to actually train your iPhone to recognize a specific sound, whether it's in your home or something else. And then Apple Books is also adding custom controls for the finer adjusting of line, character, and word spacing, which is very nice. So yeah, welcome features. I thought that was very cool. The one I'm looking forward to is the door detection because um, you, Apple released images and they haven't released software yet, but you could see how useful that will be. But there's also just a little bit of me that wonders if it'll help in escape rooms. Oh. You know? um, <laughs> it was, it was wave the phone around the room. Yes. So here is the passcode. Here is the code. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, these are incredible. And yeah, I'm curious uh, how that will work with the LiDAR walking up to a door. I assume it will provide some kind of voice feedback whether through the phone speaker or maybe airpods to say approaching door it's a knob or a push and how accurate that would be so or taptic could be something like that oh that yeah well, that's very true possibly. yeah yeah these, these are very cool features coming and again even if you don't use accessibility features now today because you're you're a young whippersnapper like william gallagher you know, one day one day you might uh, use these accessibility features and uh, just that i think you know the young thing i heard the tone i heard yes, the sarcasm i couldn't no, disagree with no, it no. i'm moving on okay. sorry i'm still just jealous you have a wikipedia page that's all anyway <laughs> moving on uh, mark german he le- released his power on newsletter and you know this week it was ios 16 is coming which is like okay yeah rabbits are furry we got that and he says uh apps there's going to be new ways of interacting and some fresh apple apps I'm not exactly sure what fresh Apple apps mean, but he he elaborated no further on what <laughs> changes would be coming in iOS 16. So we really don't have any idea. He says there's not going to be a major design overhaul, which I wouldn't expect anyway. I am hoping that we do see significant design updates in some apps, i.e. mail with feature additions and contacts, maybe even calendar. 
and you know stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, what are you hoping for, William? I know we've talked about kind of our wish list before, but what's one thing maybe with design or functionality wise Ooh. in iOS 16 on the iPhone specifically, maybe that you're hoping for? I think probably it's a very simple thing that keeps coming up. I would like Mail to have better ability to share out to other things. I'd like to be able to yes. send straight into OmniFocus my to-do app of choice, for example, and things like that. Um, small bits that would be very useful that alternatives have. That would be nice. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm not really desperately excited waiting for iOS 16. I, I know I'll like it when it comes, but if for some reason it's not something I'm pursuing every rumour of. Although I did pursue that Mark Gomer one because I was... He's a tease, though, isn't he? <laughs> he could have said new apps or redesigned apps... But he chose to go a middle ground. And yeah, creatively, give him credit he, for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering how much can you do to the stock stocks app, for example? And mm. they've already revised the weather one gorgeously. Maybe that's what they'll maybe they'll make stocks an exciting app for us to use. I think during during this particular time in history, I don't know if it's going to be exciting no matter what, <laughs> no matter which way you, you display the numbers and the trends. But yeah, maybe, maybe that we can get, we can get dark, if we could get dark sky predictions for stock prices, now that, that would make everybody switch to iPhone. That would be excellent. Now he's, he has a wordsmithing way of, of not really saying much. That's all I'll say right there. I mean, it's, it's not really. Uh, you know, very clear of what the leaks are, at least in this newsletter. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping for some of those redesigns. Mail, would love snooze in mail too. I would love those kind of features. And William, are you saying if you want to share something out of mail, it's not a simple process to hit the reply button, scroll down to print, to go to the print preview, pinch out so you get the preview and then hit the share button there so you have a PDF? Is that not simple enough for you? Do you know, suddenly I, I'm wrong. I'm chastened by you pointing out the simplicity. <laughs> Of that. Oh, yeah. Piece of cake. I can't remember which mail alternative it is, but there's one where you can just uh, swipe left on an email and it has a button to send to OmniFocus to things or whatever. It might be Spark. Spark has that feature. Do you use Spark now? I don't. I did use it for a time and I loved yeah. that feature because I would send things to things. I would send emails to things all the time because they were mm. a task, really, and not an email. And so it was great. Spark, I just had some issues with some of my email account. I have like seven email accounts, William. It's it's a little ridiculous. So it was just, I don't think I could handle it, but a unique use case. I'm afraid I don't think it was because I keep trying, I've tried Sparks, Edison, um, Airmail, and there are so many things that have so many great features, but something goes wrong. Yeah, It's just not as solid as Apple Mail. And I find myself forever coming back to Apple's one. Uh, yeah, I do find Apple Mail pretty solid. I just recently had another issue with an IMAP email account that's it wasn't google it wasn't outlook it was just like a weird imap i think it's powered by Rackspace or something mm. and it, it was having issues but i couldn't tell if it was server side or device so we'll see there are some great imap providers out there like i did use Fastmail for a while and i loved Fastmail as a paid email service as an alternative to gmail so mm. just a real recommendation there ios 15.5 was also released so you could download it right now update all your devices iphone ipad Apple TV, macOS 12.4 came out. Some minor changes. If you go to the Home app on your iPhone and you have HomePods in your house, you can actually see the Wi-Fi strength of the HomePod. You can actually see, you know, how well is this HomePod connecting to the Wi-Fi network. You go to the HomePod, you go to the HomePod settings, scroll all the way down to where it says Mac address. You tap that and then it will show you the Wi-Fi network uh, strength, which is kind of seems like a little bit of a Roundabout way, maybe put the Wi-Fi network first, but at least it's there. So you could, if it has a low connection, you know, you know why maybe your HomePods are having issues or maybe they're just being HomePods. Let's be honest. If you have some of those <laughs> older, larger HomePods, but you could see their, their Wi-Fi connection. You can get critical alerts from the Home app, even if you have do not disturb enabled. So if you want to be able to get like your security system alarms, if it gets set off, even while you're in do not disturb, you can get those critical alerts and set those to bypass. You can send money and cash to other people directly from the wallet app. You don't have to do it just through messages now. So that's a nice addition. And there's been some updates to podcasts. We'll talk about the Apple Podcast service updates in a moment, but now the Apple Podcast app lets you specify how many episodes to download and keep, which seems like it was a feature that was already there. But for some reason, I don't think it deleted old episodes as reliably. So this setting now, when you go per podcast, you can tell it just download the latest or download the last two and delete all the rest. And it does like prompt you, do you want to delete 
whatever eight episodes you already have downloaded. And so welcome feature, free up some space on your phone. Uh, I don't know about you, but podcasts take up a lot of space on my phone, William. I don't know how many you you listen to. They used to for me. Um, I've I've been cutting down a lot just because I'm I'm doing a, a project that's taking up a huge amount of time. Uh, so fewer and fewer things I have time to listen to. I think I'm down to un- under ten at the moment. Well, let's see. Apple Insider is one of them, and HomeKit Insider is the other one. So it's really only mm-hmm. eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. That is <laughs> quite quite true. Yes. Now, is that project that's taking a bunch of time your Wikipedia page? Is that what's taking all your time? Yeah, because I edit my own Wikipedia page. That's what is that actually? Can I do that? That'd be great. <laughs> There's a mistake. I could fix it. Yeah, you should add the Apple Insider podcast to that Wikipedia page too, if you could make a change. But I one would think that should be at the top, really. Well, I didn't want to say anything. William Gallagher appears courtesy of the Apple Insider podcast. <laughs> no, the Apple Insider podcast is happy to be on William Gallagher's show, <laughs> Apple Insider. No, but also in addition to those iOS 15.5 updates, Apple Podcasts has been delivering features regularly, which is really cool to see this kind of regular update cycle to the Apple Podcast creator side. They're actually going to do something called delegated delivery, which means if you have a podcast and you have paid content, whether it's ad-free episodes like we have, you can subscribe to the Apple Insider Show right in Apple Podcasts, $5 a month, you get an ad-free version, bonus episodes, early access, all that kind of stuff. And so they are now going to make it where you can specify a third-party podcast hosting provider to deliver that sponsored or paid content directly into Apple Podcasts, and it would still be able to be subscribed to directly in Apple Podcasts. So for instance, right now we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Apple Insider. You can support the show there. So I upload the ad-free version of the audio file to Patreon directly, and then I go over to Apple Podcasts and I upload the same audio file, but directly to Apple Podcasts, because that's the only way that you can get subscriber only paid content in the Apple Podcast app directly. So now with delegated delivery, you can use a host like Libsyn or Acast, do a private feed, and then deliver those audio files directly into Apple Podcasts. So it basically cuts down on one place where you have to upload your paid content or like ad-free version and all that kind of stuff. So really welcome. It's going to cut down on some time I know for me every week, so I can hopefully the Patreon wasn't one of the listed inclusions initially at launch, but I'm hoping they add it soon. And this way I can just upload to Patreon and it automatically appears in the Apple Podcast app as well. I thought that's pretty cool. I don't know. The kids today, they have it. So when I started out in podcasts, I had to hand code the RSS feed for it oh, to work. Listen, oh, you, yes. you, listen, listen, that you are uh, not alone in that. When I started podcasting, <laughs> did I ever tell you the name of my original podcast, William? No. Well, I called it. It was just me by myself. Yeah. And I was doing it like a daily, like five to 10 minute show in my attic. And I called it the Tech Tailor. Finding technology that fits you. That's rather good, actually. Yeah. Not bad, right? Yeah, not bad. My wife actually helped me come up with that. And so that was the name of it. I saw the artwork. In this, if you look at your podcast player right now, <laughs> I will put the artwork for the tech tailor uh, in your podcast player so you can enjoy it for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> but I coded my own XML feed, William. I had a text file on my Mac. Yeah. And I would I would copy and paste the whole episode enclosure to add a new episode mm. and change it all. I know what you're talking about, William. Did I ever tell you then that my podcast uh, was very briefly in the top 10 of all podcasts in any category in the world? Wait a minute. Except I was so early on, there were only nine podcasts. Oh, okay. All right. It's it's actually true. What what was your early podcast? Uh, UK DVD review. I used to be an entertainment writer on BBC News and CFAX, and this was like an audio adjunct uh, to it ran for several years it was doing very nicely for me but uh, it's uh, it's gone now unfortunately oh man well that's 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 exciting is yes, we were we were both coding uh, i was i was writing some xml mm. i still i actually still have my xml file i should just throw that up on a server and uh, i have all my old audio recordings too i don't know if i would i would want to put those up i'm not sure Every now and again when I'm driving, for some reason, and who knows why, iTunes on Shuffle will throw up an ancient episode of UK DVD Review. And (laughs) sometimes they're all right. Sometimes Sometimes they're all right. There you go. Sometimes, you know. I like that skip button. That's a very good Mm, feature. Yes, yes. I'd like to hear one of those. I don't know if you still if you still have those files. You should uh, you shoot one over. Maybe. Oh, yeah, no, William. No. I'm not going to promise this because this this is totally up to you. But maybe our listeners will pressure you on Twitter. 
I would love to release one of your and my old episodes as a bonus only supporter. Uh, right. <laughs> only for paid supporters. They can, only they can hear the bonus episodes. Would you? Um, would you do that, William? Mine, mine might sound quite new and recorded, especially uh, possibly because the sound quality was so good in those days. That I'm going to do it, William. I'm going to do one of mine. So we'll see if the listeners show out on Twitter and have you submit your own. But I will release an episode of the Tech Tailor as a bonus-only piece of content. <laughs> so okay, support I, the show, Apple Podcasts curious. or Patreon. <laughs> What? You should do it. I th- it'd be fun. I feel it'd like fun. then people in the Discord can tell us. Holding people to ransom on Discord. You know, <laughs> but no, in no. reverse. No, wait. I, yeah. I, I just want to hear it, William. I want to hear your, your old school podcast. And so right. if, I, if I do it, you should do it. You should do it, William. That'd be fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Guys, I cannot say enough good things about Helix Sleep. Uh, We're moving right now. We're actually moving to our new house this weekend as you listen to this episode. And I've had to sleep a lot of different places as we're getting ready to move. Used a lot of different mattresses. And I have to be honest, I always long for the Helix Sleep mattress. It is one of the most comfortable things I've slept on. And also moving, I don't know if you've ever done it, but you need a lot of energy. You need good sleep. And Helix Sleep is the kind of mattress that gives you that quality sleep. You can go to the Helix website, which is helixsleep.com slash Apple Insider. You take a quick quiz, just two minutes. It matches your body type and sleep preferences. You tell it how you sleep on your side, on your back. Do you prefer soft, medium, or firm mattresses? You take the quiz, and they will match you with the perfect mattress. Everybody's unique. Helix knows that, and they have several different mattress models to choose from. I'm a side sleeper. Enjoy kind of a medium firmness mattress. And so it matched me with the Plus mattress and... I love it. I mean, again, it is just incredible. You get a great night's sleep. You feel extremely rested. I think it gives you a little more peace in all this crazy news that we're hearing. A great night's sleep can do wonders. If you're looking for a mattress, take the quiz. You order the mattress you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your door. It's shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. And let's be honest, no one likes doing that. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So Helix Sleep dot com slash apple insider they have a 10-year warranty you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but i know you will helix is offering 200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for apple insider listeners go to helixsleep.com slash apple insider that's h-e-l-i-x helixsleep.com slash apple insider the link is in the show notes as well our thanks to helix sleep for sponsoring this episode and our friends at vogue duo as a listener of this show, you probably have AirTag and AirPods in your everyday carry essentialist. You carry them around everywhere. You want to use your AirPods. Obviously, you want your AirTags around. Well, Vogue Duo has unique leather cases that are incredible for your AirPods and AirTags. Honestly, I like having a little case on my AirPods. You know, sometimes it could be a little slippery or you want some little traction staying in your pocket or in your bag. And the unique leather cases from Vogue Duo do just that and they look incredible. Based on the flexibility of genuine leather, they developed the most durable leather cases for your AirTag and AirPods Pro. Not just fully protected, which they protect them, but it adds portability options and color matches for your lifestyle, for your style, your backpack, your clothes, whatever you'd like. And you can carry those AirPods or AirTag with a hook, a belt weight, a lanyard, whatever you'd like. The leather cases are handmade with incredible stitching and edging. The sizes are designed to fit the exact products and that leather ages wonderfully over time. And of course, still perfectly holds AirTag or AirPods. Each one is also making itself unique as you use it over time. So here's what you do. There's links in the show notes, both to the Vogue Duo AirTag case and the Vogue Duo AirPods Pro case. You can go to vogueduo.us, but click the link in the episode description. That'll let them know you came from the Apple Insider Show. Our thanks to Vogue Duo for sponsoring this episode. Apple Watch Series 8, there was a long article we had this past week talking about everything we know about Apple Watch. It's kind of an ongoing article that we update every once in a while. I think Wes had the most latest updates. We don't know a ton still about Apple Watch Series 8. There's still the idea maybe it will go to that flat-sided design that was leaked and rumored all almost a year ago now. The only possible health feature that looks like could come this fall is a temperature sensor in the Apple Watch. So you could know your temperature, you know, like if you have a fever or which would be, you know, helpful during the pandemic, maybe now also, but you know, if your temperature is elevated, if you don't feel it, I also wonder if these kinds of features would coincide and work in tandem with AirPods Pro 2, because that's some of the rumors about the next generation of AirPods Pro 
is that they will have health features that maybe they could take temperature in the ear and other kind of health diagnostics. So I wonder if there could be some kind of working in tandem there. But William, I'm curious, do you think we're going to see this flat-sided Apple Watch design like ever? I'm afraid I do. I, really? I'm very much afraid. Mm -hmm. I honestly think the flat-sided uh, Apple Watch Series 8 is a fantastic advert for the Series 7 Apple Watch because <laughs> it's yeah. so ugly in those renders <laughs> we've seen. I'm sorry. I was so glad, so glad they were wrong last year. But um, oh, you know when Apple shows it, they'll make it look nice somehow. But so far, not yeah, so much. I keep looking at those renders. It's at the top of our article. You can click the link in show notes. I'm trying to picture a flat-sided Apple Watch on my wrist, and then I look at my Series Seven on my wrist, and I'm like, man. Now, Series 7 looks pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I feel like flat sides would feel less watch-like and more computer. I have a calculator on my wrist-like. I was already disappointed when the Apple Watch first came out that it wasn't round. Uh, but then shortly afterwards, I had to I used some uh, Android smartwatch that was round. And it was just unbelievably awful <laughs> because there was this gorgeous round face. Right. But it would throw up error messages that was square right and yeah the left and right of the error message would be outside of the image yeah and at one point there's a uh, uh uh some sort of control it wasn't just yes or no but the whatever the buttons were the buttons were off the bottom of the curved screen so there's just no way to see them or press yeah. them and so they think yeah poor apple actually thought yeah. through slightly more everybody else but i am very curious did you see the pixel watch obviously that was announced at google io yeah i quite like the look of that it all it all comes down to how you display text you know if you're going to receive mm. a text message on that watch are you going to fill the round face with text so it's kind of like yeah all jaggedy on the edges or are you going to relegate text to like the rectangle in the middle of the face and kind of leave the top and bottom blank I'm curious how they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I like. I think I like the the Series Seven design. Obviously, I'm always up for Apple trying to redesign something. But the larger face on the Series Seven, which didn't you upgrade? Do you have a Series Seven? Yes, I was just thinking. I had uh, a original Series Zero. Then it was repaired, became a one, and then I bought a four, and then I bought a seven. So um, I'm probably sticking with the seven for a couple of years. But yeah, um, I wasn't going to, but um, things happened and it became <laughs> possible. Happened. And I rushed and I'm very glad. I like it a lot. Things happened. That, that, that's an anonymous, uh, <laughs> anonymous way of explaining something. <laughs> things happened. I was supposed to go on a cruise. First time I've ever been on a cruise officially. And uh, it got cancelled for it. So suddenly the money that was supposed to go on that mm -hmm. uh, was uh, available. You might be amused to know it was cancelled because of coronavirus, of course. But it was replaced. I was supposed to be going in a few months' time on a half-world cruise that included Russia. Oh, my um, So that's, that's not going to happen either, actually. One that's day too, I will get on a cruise. Two big strikes. So you're going to yeah. do a half-world cruise? Well, that's... Uh, it sounds longer than it is. It's only, it's about four weeks, which is the longest time I've ever been away anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually quite scary now, I say of it. But I'm sure I can bring all my computers with oh, me. Oh, of course. I? That would be amazing. I mean, they've got Wi Fi. I've, I've worked in those, uh, I've, I worked for a travel agency, and I remember looking at some of those like round the world cruises. You could do like 120 days, you know, you could do like three to four months, literally go all over the world. A lot of days at sea on cruise like that where you would want your computers <laughs> to do stuff. Yeah. I imagine you're spending nine days just looking at water. But <laughs> I mean, yes. yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks, it looks cool. Yeah, I saw this one article. It's totally unrelated, but I saw this one article. There's like a retired couple that instead of like paying to live in a retirement community, they actually just live on a cruise ship year round because somehow it's cheaper mm. to do that then live mm. in a retirement community and all the bills that come with that. So I don't know. You could do that, William. Retire on a cruise ship. Right. So I've gone from young to very, yeah. very old <laughs> in the course of a few minutes. You're man of mystery, William. This isn't a sensitive issue. <laughs> no, yeah. You're man of mystery, William. I, I have no idea. You're, you're anywhere between the ages of 21 and 85. I'm, I have no idea. Right. Just processing that. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Um, all right. Moving on. We'll see. The Apple Watch Series 8, obviously, it's uh, going to be coming out in a few months. Listeners, let us know. Tweet to William and I after you tell William to publish one of his old uh, podcast episodes as bonus content. Let us know what you would like to see in the Apple Watch Series 8. Now, I'm honestly hard-pressed to even know. I mean, 
I'm curious, like Apple Pay, you know, tap to pay is coming to the iPhone where you could accept payments mm-hmm. like directly on your iPhone. You wouldn't need some kind of NFC payment reader. It'd be amazing if that kind of stuff came to the watch. I mean, imagine just tapping Apple Watches to pay for something. You don't even need your phone. That'd be pretty wild. That's true. Yeah, and just more NFC support, be able to like scan NFC tags with your Apple Watch to trigger shortcuts, better shortcut support on Apple Watch, those kinds of things. But that's all software stuff, so because it already has an NFC chip. Except there you are, you're in the middle of an Argentine tango with someone and your two watches connect several times and you start paying each other yeah, well, bits. You never know, maybe it's just going... Okay, that's an image. Yeah, and then there it is. <laughs> maybe there's a new uh, leg of crime being <laughs> scanning uh, Apple Watches, I don't know. No, that wouldn't be possible. Well, weirdly, actually, I don't know why I picked Argentine tango then, but the, the gaucho, you know, the, the leg roguing between it, it was actually uh, women feeling for wallets to see how rich the person was that they were dancing oh. with, apparently. Uh, so crime begins everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, and you yeah. can't do that nowadays, I don't think you're, the size of your wallet is indicative. I don't think people carry that much cash anymore. No, yeah, that's true. How many uh, Apple cards you have in there? Those titanium cards are thick. Sorry, I guess you. I know you don't yeah. know about. That. I'm sorry. I'm in the I UK. I really, yeah. I realized as I was saying that I was like, oh no, William doesn't know about this. Had to bring it back to that. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, sorry. it's fine. Three years now. Have you had like credit cards in the UK go to that like metal titanium stuff? Because I actually have other cards besides the Apple Card that has done that. I don't think I'm quite in the same financial league as you then. No, I haven't been aware of that. You can get an Amazon Visa. Get out of here. It's a, You can get the Amazon Visa uh, credit card. It's through Chase, but it's like this metal yeah. card, like the Apple Card. It's weird. Chase Manhattan has just started up. Uh, here in the UK, or at least it's been suddenly advertising itself hmm. a lot and people are wondering who this is. And the whole advertising campaign is, no, look, really, we have millions of users in America. We're really good. <laughs> You've heard of us. People know us. Yeah, I have a problem with Chase, though, because they actually started as a company that was meant to fix fix the, the water supply in New York. It was the water supply and a banking thing. And the company actually didn't give it about the water side. So they let that go and nothing happened. And they created this massive bank, international empire. I thought New York City, you were shortchanged a couple of hundred years ago or something. But yeah, I had no idea. Look at that. You're, we're learning a bunch of history today. The, the beginning of OK, the origin of Chase. Yes. Oh, yeah. Look that's at this. True. This, this yes. is a history. I'm going to change the category in Apple okay. Podcasts. This is a history podcast now. We're becoming 99% invisible, uh, which is one of my other favorite mm-hmm. podcasts there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, under the Apple Insider shows, I assume. But we'll, we'll just assume. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. naturally. Okay. okay. So this news Apple developers and pricing. Apple has now made it where developers can increase the price of a subscription service or whatever their you know, in app payments in their app that they can increase the price without having to have users unsubscribe and then resubscribe. So let's say your favorite app will say Fantastical. It's doing in-app payments of $7 a month. If they need to up it to $8 a month, that they can actually just do that and keep all the current subscribers. They do have to notify users of their app. So users will be alerted to the price increase by Apple. You'll get an email, a push notification, messages, in the app when you reopen it. So you'll be notified if there's any kind of price increase. But I actually think this is really good for developers that if they need to increase their price, they don't have to risk losing their entire paid subscriber base just to make that one change. And this is something you can actually do with Apple Podcast subscriptions. You can actually change the price of the podcast subscriptions and everyone could stay signed up. They just get alerted to the price change, but they don't have to unsubscribe and then resubscribe because you're never going to get 100% retention if everyone is unsubscribed all at once. So I think it's a good change. There's going to be plenty of notifications if any apps change in price. So I thought this was good. What do you think? Um, I hadn't looked at it that way. My first thought was, oh, what developer would ever increase the cost of their app without telling people? Um, But yeah, I see your point now. I didn't realize about that thing of losing and having to get people to re-sign up. Maybe I've just not... I have unsubscribed from several subscriptions, but I haven't resubscribed to any of them. Uh, so I didn't appreciate that that's what happens. Yeah, in that case, I, I'm sold. Uh, you've completely changed me around. Yeah, around well, and it also, yeah. some of the rules are it cannot exceed $5.50% of the subscription price. So there is like a limit of how much you can increase it or $50.50% of the annual subscription price. So it's not like there'd be some scam apps. Well, I mean, there are scam apps in the app store, but the idea is some app can't, you know, have you sign up for $5 and then change the subscription price to $1,000 a month and not know, like they can't even do that. Like Apple has set the limits here. So I think, I think it's good, you know, for developers, especially when you have, you know, small subscriptions, like one, two, $3 a month, 
And if you want need to up it, you know, support developers, support these apps because they, they make great stuff. And I think this is a good feature for them. So there you go. Apple now has new training courses on their website. There's a new website. I believe it's training.apple.com, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Derek Means on Twitter actually sent this yeah. to me before I even saw the news article. But they have two courses now that you can go, training.apple.com. You can get Apple device support training and then Apple deployment and management training. And so if you work with Apple devices in business or you would like a kind of certification that you can then use, put it on your resume, say you're certified through Apple to you know do some of these things like deployment, device support management, you can take these courses. They're completely online. And then they end with a $150 exam. So basically your entire cost for taking this course and being certified $150. They also have some in-person trials of some of these courses. There's Austin Community College in Texas. They tried an in-person thing. This was in 2020, but it's now expanding to Maricopa Community Colleges in Chandler and Mesa, Arizona this summer. And so you can actually have kind of an in-person option for some of these as well. But I thought this was really good. You know, there's a lot of IT. I've actually worked with a lot of third-party IT support companies in my work, and a lot of them are not super up on like Apple IT support. Like a lot of times they'll just say, you guys handle the Apple devices and we'll handle all the windows and other stuff. Uh, You know, some IT companies can do both, but my experience has been a lot of times someone internal to the company, not part of that third-party IT provider has to have some knowledge of Apple devices. And so this would be great if employers want to invest in someone on their team to learn more about how to deploy and manage Apple devices using MDM platforms and be able to support Apple devices. I thought this was a great, very cool. I looked into, um, I want to see when Apple had started doing anything because like you said, this is new, but some of it was trialed and development. And so I used the um, Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine. And at least 1996 uh, had uh, training.apple.com. Although at the time it was for salespeople and briefing them on what things did. So it's, you know, Apple's really been pursuing this for the long term, but now I feel like they've expanded it into something that sounds really useful. I mean, you don't have to take the exam. You could just learn this stuff. Um, yeah, very cool. It. So good on Apple. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Oh my goodness, I love Truebill. I've talked to you about it before, but listen, Truebill is an incredible app where you can use and it will monitor your subscriptions, let you know what subscriptions you're paying for that you even forgot about that might be costing you hundreds if not thousands of dollars a year. You forgot to cancel it. Maybe it's a streaming service you signed up for because you wanted to watch that one movie, but then you forgot to cancel it. Well, Truebill will let you know what those subscriptions are and even help you cancel them. Yes, they can actually help you cancel them. On average, people save up to $720 a year. And because subscriptions can be hard to cancel, Truebill makes it simple. You link your accounts with Truebill. It links with Plaid, so it's secure and private, and they can help cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Yes, they have a Truebill concierge that's there when you need them to cancel those unwanted subscriptions. I used Truebill and it was monitoring my storage unit. It actually increased in price. And before the storage unit place told me, Truebill alerted me that they charged me more per month. That subscription went up. So you get those kinds of notifications. Plus you can cancel subscriptions and Truebill will help you do it. Truebill has over 2 million users and it has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams today. Start canceling at truebill.com slash Apple Insider. That's Truebill, T-R-U-E, Bill. Truebill.com slash Apple Insider. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Collide. Collide is an incredible service that sends your employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, or Windows devices right inside Slack. Your organization probably uses Slack already. Well, Collide can integrate with Slack and let your employees know measures that they can take to better their security and privacy practices. Typically, companies will lock down devices using a mobile device management platform, and that can be okay. But when they're really locked down, that's frustrating for the users. They feel like they don't have full access to their devices. Well, Collide helps educate users using these automated messages in Slack to help them make the decisions. And you give the power of security and privacy into the hands of your employees. Visit collide.com slash Apple Insider. You sign up today, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. You enter your email and you can get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation, which is awesome. So go ahead and do that. Get some free stuff. And here's some of the things Collide can do. 
Let's say one of your employees saves recovery codes for a login, but it's just in a text file like on their desktop. Well, Collide will send them a message in Slack and say, hey, maybe don't do that because that's not super secure. And it can even convince employees to uninstall evil browser extensions that may sell their browser history. Collide will notify them right in Slack. Those are just some of the many use cases that aren't solved by locking down devices. So try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. Try it out at collide.com slash Apple Insider. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. So Mike Peterson, he had an editorial on the site. He said popular interest in technology is declining, but tech giants aren't going anywhere. And the idea is that using some Google data as far as like searches from 2016 to today, the general interest in like the people's interest in searching for and learning about tech stuff is slowly declining. People are searching for this stuff less. Searches for technology companies like Apple and others have been an overall downward trajectory. And it doesn't mean that people aren't buying and using these devices. Obviously, the latest earnings call from Apple reveals it is making tons of money because people are buying tons of their devices. But the kind of techie interest in the hardware, the latest releases that it is slowly decreasing over time. I thought this was interesting because, you know, you look at tech YouTube, I follow a lot of tech YouTubers on Twitter, and they've kind of been seeing the same thing, that there's kind of a general slow decline in the interest of things like tech reviews and going in depth on a piece of technology. I think there is still room for learning how to use your devices because obviously people already have them. They've already bought them. Apple's earnings call clearly says that tons of people are buying iPhones and iPads and, and Macs, the new Apple Silicon Macs. You know, that's very exciting. But it seems like the like enthusiasm about technology in general is lessening. And again, you look at the world events from 2016 to today, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. It gets, you know, everyone's distracted, seeing the news, doom scrolling is like a thing now. So I, I totally get that. But I thought this was interesting. I I also gather that, you know, I've seen a lot of people on social media and in YouTube still covering technology, but finding different angles and really trying to add more subjects and topics to their portfolio of content. So I don't know, William, how do you feel about this? Do you yourself feel kind of a, a decreasing interest in some of the techie, real techie stuff? And what do you see people doing? I think this, there's always been a pattern of interest in technology for its own sake that fades away and becomes interest in what you can do with it. Um, I have a relative who believes I'm obsessed with computers because I spend 12 to 14 hours a day in front of my Mac. But to me, I suppose, yes, the Mac is errors all the time, but I'm writing this book, I'm writing that script, I'm interviewing this person. It's a portal to things I want to do, uh, whereas he thinks I'm into, I don't know, programming or something, <laughs> more enjoying technology for its own sake, whereas to me it's a device. Uh, I used to work on a magazine in the UK called PC Direct, and I remember having almost a stand-up row with people uh, about its, its future because they saw this bright future and there were all these competing magazines. And I felt I knew it wasn't going to last because, uh, believe it or not, uh, quite a while ago, there used to be quite a lot of magazines with titles like What Fridge? <laughs> um, and they covered the same kind of things, reviews of refrigerators. And they were honestly big, successful magazines. And then once fridges became normal and they're all pretty much the same and they all do the same job and we know what they're there for, people had less interest in them. And uh, PC Direct is long gone. Most of its competitors right. are long gone. It's the titles that survive. Uh, well, they've gone online. So you have Apple Insider, which has that nice spread of, uh, yes, technology for its own sake, but also what you use it for and news about the industry and all these many things. That kind of um, portmanteau approach, that still works. But I still think the underlying thing is we no longer see these tools as tools in themselves it's roots to what we do and i i could talk forever about what we do in fact i have a youtube series called 58 keys which ostensibly is about uh macs and ipads and iphones but actually it's about writing with right. those so it's the concern of writers and how they are or aren't solved by apps or things like this the focus is not the technology anymore it's the application for want of a better word no i agree and i think when you look back at the iphone 4 to iPhone 10 era, there were a lot of other phones, manufacturers. I remember HTC 
doing things in the Android world. Oh, Obviously, Samsung was doing their things. There were other, like, OnePlus used to be, like, a really big, you know, it was exciting when new phones came out. There was a lot of gimmicky things, like 3D screens on phones and, like, trying to do stereoscopic cameras on certain phones. And so I think that overall large-scale diversity of, of manufacturers and trying different things to see what works I think we've moved past that to a point now where it's you have the iPhone, you have the Samsung Galaxy phones, and then the other, I guess, big name in the industry is the Pixel phones, but by popularity, no one buys them. So when you look at, you know, what are the phones people are still interested in and excited about, I feel like it's really narrowed down to the iPhone and then the Galaxy series. And then, you know, you got people doing a Xiaomi phone here and there or whatever, but you know, flippable and foldable phones, but I just don't think there is that that hunger for weird phones. You know, Windows Phone was a thing, like Windows Phone paired with the Nokia Lumia, really trying to focus on the camera stuff. Red tried doing a, I think it was a collaboration with Motorola. It was going to be like a red camera, a camera phone. And it came out where you can use like red lenses, I think, or something crazy. And it was just you know, it's exciting. It's interesting. It's like, what is possible with these devices? But I feel like in the end, a large, large majority of people just want a nice phone where they can scroll social media, take really good pictures of the stuff they experience, of their family, of their friends. That's fast. Maybe play some games on it. And I think we tried a lot of gimmicks and no one was really into that kind of stuff. And so now the two best phone manufacturers are. Apple and the iPhone and Samsung and the Galaxy phones. And that's kind of where we've ended up. Do you think that it's Apple and Samsung, have just, they're doing it right? Or that they have uh, trampled everybody else and all of the interesting and the innovation stuff can't take root anywhere? I think Apple and Samsung chose to focus on the things that are important to people and they did it well. You know, what is important to people? You know, mass market. You know, you as a listener to the Apple Insider Show you know, you probably have more things you do with your phone. But if you think of your friends, non-techie friends and family, they love the camera. They like to have big screens to watch stuff on and scroll. And they like it to be fast and have cool accessories. And I think Samsung with the Galaxy phones, whenever I see a review of those phones with the super zoom and 8K video footage, really incredible photos and video, the Samsung phones take great images. And it's the same with the iPhone. You have great video and photo quality, obviously they're very fast. You can get a big screen in the Pro Max. And I think if they do a 14 Max this year, a non-Pro version of the iPhone, but a large screen, I think you're going to get a lot of people that go to that larger screen because they might not care about ProMotion and the telephoto lens, but they just want a big screen that's fast and it looks cool. And so I think Samsung and Apple chose to focus on the things that you know are hard to iterate. It's hard to iterate on camera technology year over year. But putting that concerted effort into those areas has made products that are actually, I think, the best in those areas. You look at the Galaxy line, you look at the iPhone, they are, I think, the best at what most people want to do with their phones. And that has pushed phones that are like really niche or try to be gimmicky. This just pushed them out, I think, of the market. Mm, That seems sad. It seems sad, but I also think innovation is going to go in a different direction soon. I mean, augmented reality, virtual reality. You know, we were talking about the accessibility features before. I forgot to mention it. All of those features like door detection and live captions, imagine those kinds of features in an augmented or mixed reality headset or glasses. Mm. Imagine if you didn't have to hold up your phone to see whether a door in front of you uh, was had a knob or could be opened or if it was closed. If you just the glasses could see and then would notify you automatically. Some of those accessibility features would be incredible, not to mention all the other use cases for augmented and virtual reality that we see today. Meta is really trying to do that. I think Microsoft is going to go there. And so I just think the innovative energy is going to go to those places and, of course, services, because that's where the money is, original content, fitness, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's obviously going to be a a big growth area for all these companies. But I think innovation is just going to, it'll continue. Obviously, the iPhone is going to get better and better every year. It's still the best-selling device that Apple sells. And so it's going to get better. But I think when we really see that kind of quirkiness and innovation, once we, we're about a year or two away from seeing that kind of weird, quirky, trying stuff that we did with phones maybe seven or eight years ago, 
to where we see it in other kinds of devices like headsets and glasses. And I think once we get there, there'll be kind of another season of, okay, companies trying different things, people interested in it, wanting to know what's going on and how it can affect their life. So I think we'll see it again. It'll just be in a different kind of device. But then what will happen when that smooths out, becomes homogenous? Well, what's the one for innovation after uh, VR and AR? If history has taught us anything, there will always be something new. There will always be something. I mean, you look at the medical field. Obviously, Apple feels so strongly about the Apple Watch being a health feature-rich type device. Imagine the kind of innovation that could be possible 30, 40, 50 years from now in the realm of health, you know, monitoring things inside your body, being able to get those kind of real-time alerts, and maybe one day being detached from a phone, not needing the phone anymore because you're using wearables, glasses, watch, and I don't know, who knows? Who knows what it'll be like then? Uh, 34 when i'll be about 25 that's right yeah that's right i can see that that's right same same so so i thought that was interesting and we'll pair it with the the trip mickle book in a moment do you want to say apple tv plus is going to have a bunch of new original content for kids coming this summer i think it'll be really nice you know apple has great content overall and now they're really going to focus on on some kid related content things like duck and goose best foot forward and it's going to be a, a great diverse set of, of characters and stories. So that'd be really cool. A bunch of cool things releasing from June through August. And uh, keep an eye out. We have an article on that in the show notes. All right, finally, I just want to touch on this. So Trip Mickle, he was a reporter for, I believe it was the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, uh, one way or the other. And he had a lot of sources that over the course of his reporting, he had access to. And then he has now written a book. It's called After Steve, colon, here's the subtitle, how Apple became a trillion dollar company and lost its soul. He did a bunch of interviews with people. He was on the talk show with John Gruber. And so that's the episode that I listened to, to hear his interview and hear what, you know, kind of his thoughts were. And basically the book is covering the transition from Johnny Ive and Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs passing away in 2011, Tim Cook taking over, changing some of the company culture and really starting to be driven by more practical things you could say, you know, profit, supply chain, all that kind of stuff. And what drove Johnny Ive to then depart the company later. And when he says lost its soul, he's kind of referring to that connection that Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive had as product designer and Johnny Ive and then, you know, visionary leader and Steve Jobs, who also was a very much a product related guy. And obviously Steve passing away is part of the company losing its quote-unquote soul, just Steve Jobs no longer being around, and then Johnny Ive leaving. Johnny Ive, of course, he was very strong-handed in his design. He wanted things super thin, super aesthetic, even to the point of maybe sacrificing some usability, like taking away all the ports on a MacBook Pro or trying to make the iPhone so thin that the battery life wasn't great. And so those were some of the design faux pas maybe that happened in those kind of final years of Johnny Ive being an Apple, but he again became disillusioned with some of the direction and that focus on profit and a more utilitarian view rather than design first. I remember he, Trip Mickle was talking about the Apple Watch, and I guess a lot of the book focuses on the Apple Watch production and design, and apparently the digital crown, like the little grooves on the crown. On the original Apple Watch, there were basically two methods to make the little notches to form the digital crown. One method was barely noticeably less good, but much cheaper. And Johnny Ive had a different method that he wanted to that was maybe design better, came out with a better finished product, but was more expensive. And when it came to profit margins and with that original Apple Watch trying to, again, make it a profitable business, I believe they went with the less expensive option. And so those were the kind of small decisions multiplied by many different decisions over time that drove Johnny Ive uh, to leave the company. And so I thought it was a very interesting interview. I'll put the link in the show notes if you'd like to listen to it. But I would be curious, William, if you have thoughts on that, do you think that with Johnny Ive leaving and a more focus and a greater focus on utilitarian design, has Apple somehow lost a part of itself that makes it Apple 
its design heart and soul, you could say. Right. You just want to touch on this massive <laughs> topic that you give me. Uh, right. Lots of different thoughts in one go. One is, uh, actually, I find Johnny Ive terribly interesting. I really yeah. enjoy reading interviews and things. But he did just do that Financial Times magazine where he listed the uh, 10 or 12 design things everybody must have and you must carry with you all the time and most of them you would never carry with you but one of them was a 500 dollar hermes tape measure and i keep <laughs> wondering what is the difference between that and the little plastic thing i've got next to me and yeah he has a disconnection i think there because he can right and who wouldn't if they did um that issue of the digital crown i didn't know that and i was just looking at my digital crown when i'm saying it and i think it's very nice I'm kind of my heart's with Johnny Ive on that, but my pragmatism and my wallet is with, I suppose, everybody else. Apple is a business. The problems I have with Apple are to do with its business. I, just for example, I have no problems at all with the 30% cut in the App Store. That that seems fine. You know, compared to what it used to be to distribute software, that's good. I like it. But uh, right now, the whole thing with uh, union bashing is, is deeply upsetting because um, uh, today, as we record this, I have now uh, formally uh, stood to be deputy chair of the Writers Guild Union here in the UK. I, I was for a few years, had to step down from term limits. Um, I've applied to be it again and the elections are in June. I am very pro-union. And when you look at what... Uh, Apple is doing on the kind of uh, union bashing mm. uh, stuff. I, I think it's it's despicable and it, it's corporate despicable and I understand it. And if it was Microsoft, I wouldn't blink because it somehow feels part of their ethos. Sorry, Microsoft, as unfair as that probably is. <laughs> With Apple, you expect better and we're not getting it. Is that because it's lost its soul? It's, it is becoming more corporate um, and how could it not? I don't know. Um, there's an argument, isn't there, that we wouldn't have got the Mac Studio if Johnny Ive was around, but it is an ugly little thing. Um, so, you know, sorry. Uh, that's fine. Very nice. It just thing. made a face. I've just remembered you've got one. Yeah, my, it just made a face as you said that on my desk. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm, I, I'm mistaken okay. the two USB-C ports and the SD card slot for a face. It was just sitting there. <laughs> Going, Almost recalling back to the conversation we just had about innovation and, you know, trying different things in the phone market. When it comes to design, like you think about a phone, a tablet, what the device is, is increasingly just becoming a screen that you put in a case. How much design, aside from the little camera part that you see, or the big camera part, if you have a 13, is, you know, part design. You know, obviously the whole thing is design. Yes, it is a piece of hardware. Mm. I think the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro are incredibly good looking devices. I think they're incredibly well designed. But you look at the new MacBook Pro, which you could say, maybe Johnny Ive would say, I'm not sure, that it is a regression in aesthetically attractive physical design, but the new MacBook Pros are widely loved and heralded, and everybody loves that ports came back, HDMI and SD card slot built in. It's thicker. It has bigger feet. You know, it does look like a more utilitarian device, but I think it's still just as a beautiful device, and because it is that much more of a joy to use because it has the port that you want, it goes to the overall experience. And I think, you know, I wonder if Steve Jobs was still alive, if the MacBook Pro would have ever regressed to include an HDMI port. I'm inclined thinking back about the floppy drive and then the CD drive and USB-A, maybe not. Maybe like it's not something that he would have brought back. But I think if people are want it and, and most... Again, I really haven't heard a bad word about the new MacBook Pros. And obviously, Apple Silicon, that is widely innovative. It's not design per se, but it is an incredible innovation moving forward. Yeah, I want to disagree with you there. So it is design. The thing I've liked about Apple and the design Mm. is that they get the fact that design is not... Uh, what was the Bill Gates thing when said about the iMac that Apple was uh, the leader in colored computers or something, in blue paint or some phrase like that. It's not what it looks like. It is what it looks like, but it's what it does as well. It's the entire combination of it. Apple would never have released that round smartwatch where you couldn't press a button on the screen. And yet another company did. They released it and they sold it. And it's raised my mind who it was, but it wasn't a small firm. Apple cares about the details and that it's ultimately about how it's going to be used and what for. And 
I don't think it's lost that. Right. You know, I I don't know that I would have said that at the start of this, but you're saying it that way. I think it's still focused on the use and knowing that the use is more than whether it's thick or thin. It's just how it fits into, how it enables uh, people yeah. to work. Just this week, I had somebody uh, complaining. I was going to say a ruder word than that because they were <laughs> vehement about it, about someone uh, had sent them a, a zip file and was asking them to just use whatever the contents were. And she's on a PC, and apparently on a PC you have to go buy an unzipping tool for it. And she was, understandably, not happy spending money <laughs> to do somebody a favour. And I'm thinking on the Mac, you just do it, don't you? Because Apple thinks it through, what are you actually going to use this for? Not how can you nickel and dime right. it and sell them an extra app to finish stuff. That's still true, I think. And suddenly I feel a bit more optimistic than I did a minute ago. So, well, and I also hmm. think it's soul. What is Apple's soul, if not Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive? But I think of not only design, but build quality. I buy Apple devices because mm. they last forever. I actually did a video on my YouTube channel with my original iPod Touch, because oh. Apple discontinued iPod. But my original iPod Touch from 15 years ago still turns on and works. It's amazing the build quality of the devices, how long they last. They don't creak. And they don't uh, do things that, you know, plasticky or, or cheaper devices might. And so I think that is also design. And Johnny Ive making quibbles about the process of making a digital crown and whether or not it is perfect or slightly less perfect. If it's not noticeable to most people, I don't think it's an unreasonable concession to make if profit is one of the, I mean, it is a factor. It has to be a factor because Apple has to be a profitable company to continue existing. And yes, they're very profitable right now. And they have tons of money in the bank, but everything is a trend. You know, does it, is it trending up or trending down? Mm. And so I think that build quality, if, if there's ever something to watch to say Apple might be slipping, it would be build quality. We saw that with the butterfly keyboard, with the MacBook Pros from 2016 to 2020. That would be something you could point to and say, that seems like maybe they were trying to force something for design's sake and they lost quality and that was a not good decision. The camera in the studio display may be another thing to point at and say whether it's cost or just, you know, overall position or why they chose to put that kind of camera in that display. Maybe you could point to that and say that might have been a misstep. But the display overall, everyone who has an LG Ultrafine display and has now gotten a studio display, loves it because of the build quality. The studio display doesn't creak. It doesn't do all these other things that the Ultrafine did. And so that kind of build quality, which is also design, I think plays into it. And I have not really seen a lessening of that kind of quality, durability, uh, reliability, which is another huge thing. I, I've used Apple devices forever because of their reliability. I was recording our college concerts on my 12-inch G4 PowerBook. I was running GarageBand and I would literally, because I was playing trumpet at the time. And so I would literally set my power book in the front row with connected to some microphones. I would hit record in GarageBand, walk on stage and play the entire concert, never monitoring the computer, never once looking at it, never knowing what it was doing. And when I would get off that stage at the end of the concert, it was still recording. I would hit stop, save it. Never once did I miss a concert recording or lose a recording to anything. And that was way back then. And honestly, I trust my Apple devices just as much today. My MacBook Pro, my now Mac Studio. I mean, I've never lost a podcast recording uh, doing, you know, using these, these Apple devices. So I think, I think all of that comes together to say, I, I do not believe Apple has lost its soul. I think it is, you know, depending on how you define that, if it has moved to look at a more utilitarian, but still retaining its design, I think it's, even maybe a good decision, especially in today's world, to air that side. And I think it's making the right concessions if there are any concessions to make. Mm, you kind of missed one incredible build quality issue, though. Mm. The way we've got this substandard digital crown on the Apple Watch, that's <laughs> bothered me. For I'm interested there. I know I'm arguing both sides because, well, why not? Uh, it strikes me that I agree with everything you've just said and the specific things like the example of the uh, studio display webcam. We now know the digital crown is not as good as it could be. There are other little small things. Uh, I think, you know, this way we were saying that interesting technology is going. I think fewer and fewer people notice a specific detail. I don't expect somebody to come away thinking uh, that webcam is poor because it's a wide angle lens. They come away thinking this isn't 
what I need. Mm. It's like when, uh, well, I'm a, I'm a drama writer. Uh, you come away from a film, you come away thinking um, the CGI explosions weren't very effective. I think the truth is actually you're out of the story completely. <laughs> and that's where the problem yeah. is, not the special yeah. effects. So, yeah, I think people pick up on things uh, unconsciously. And that helps us decide what we do and don't like. So I have this general sense of amazing build quality, even if there are these small little things. So, yes, we've still got that. They haven't lost that. But I don't think it's going to take one component going being wrong, going wrong to make us start doubting. I think it's going to be an overall sense of lack. It's going to be what happened with Dell when Dell suddenly started... Uh, putting out cheaper components and not telling everybody and knowing they were going mm. to fail. That's when Dell stepped off a cliff and it's come back, but it, well, it stepped off a cliff and while it was doing that, it shot itself in the foot. <laughs> so yeah. That's we, a terrible way to go. Points for it. Yeah, aim. you don't want to do that. Yes, but you know, talent, good aim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think Apple's going to go no. that way. I don't no, think. I think it's feeder safe for now. I think we're, I think we got some, we got some time left. Well, let, let us know what you think, listeners. Tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Tweet at William, convince him to share one of his old podcasts and we will push it as a subscriber only episode. And if, if he does it, I'll do the tech tailor. I'll do an old tech tailor episode. Oh, 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 oh. It's come down to if I do it, you will. No, Excellent. I'll do it. Um, All right, then. Forget that, everybody. If, not okay, going to happen. If, if the fine. listeners show out and everybody tweets at me, yes, I'll, I'll release mine, whether or not William does it. I won't I won't make mine dependent on his his uh, transparency over there. But tweet at us. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Again, you can support the show, Apple Podcasts, directly or at patreon.com slash appleinsider. Get an ad-free version of the show, early access, and all that jazz. And again, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.